Welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I am joined by Jim Risley, who's been an institution around Muhammad Seymour School District since 7980 when uh, he first arrived as a student teacher. He's worn a lot of hats over the years and uh, today we're going to ask him to put on his hat for the uh, Hall of Fame Committee as, a, as the chairman of the Hall of Fame Committee. So Jim, welcome. Well, thank you, Fred. I'm uh, real happy to be here. So tell me, uh, Muhammad was a little bit late to the game in getting a Hall of Fame started. I think Champaign High got one going in about 1962 or 63, uh, but better late than never, right? Well, that's true, Fred. Uh, we had talked about a Hall of Fame with quite a few people, and um, it really wasn't until the uh, Educational Foundation grabbed the reins and Tom Porter and Derek Halfar kind of uh, ran with it. And they asked me to come along and uh, be on their committee, which I was more than happy to do. And uh, Tom Porter uh, exited the committee and uh, Derek Halfar went on that particular summer, a very long uh, hike in the Appalachian Mountains. So that pretty much left me to uh, <laughs> push start some things and get it going. And um, well, here we are today where we're at and uh, better late than never, like you said. Yeah, so what, what did it take to get the ball rolling, so to speak? Well, I think really um, the school district at that time didn't have the personnel that were, um, I think willing to go ahead and put the, the work into putting it together. Uh, there was a lot of things in Muhammad. Um, you know, we've had a very storied uh, athletic program as well as many other extracurriculars. But when the um, Educational Foundation said this was something they would support and do all the legwork for, uh, I think they, they came together and said, hey, let's get this done. This, if there's ever a school that deserved a Hall of Fame, it's Muhammad Seymour. And uh, so, like I said, the two gentlemen I mentioned earlier, uh, did a lot of work and uh, put together a lot of the bylaws and things, and they've been only altered slightly, which uh, shows a lot to their vision, and um, uh, got it going. I'll tell you, um, one of the things I really like about the Muhammad Seymour Hall of Fame, so many of them around the area, it's just for athletes only. Muhammad, uh, there, there's categories for uh, contributors, for uh, you know, music people, arts people, um, uh, you know, academia, so on and so forth. Talk, talk a little bit about that aspect. Was that something that all the committee members considered important uh, at, from the outset? Absolutely. Um, whether or not it was uh, important at the, at the very beginning of it, within the development of the Hall of Fame, uh, I really think that was something they wanted to push. And uh, it is, like you said, it is slightly unique. There are some that have this... Um, the different venues for their Hall of Fame, but most of them are athletic. And Muhammad's so much more diversified. It's one of the things that makes this a beautiful place for anybody to come, especially in the educational venue, <clears throat> is that it honors more than just athletics. It honors um, all people's endeavors, and and they should be. Uh, just because you you know have a put uh, sweat equity from a physical nature into something doesn't mean a mental sweat equity isn't as important. And, and to what you said, I'd just like to make sure everyone knows that could be listening to this. It isn't just athletics, it's fine uh, and performing arts, service in the educational venue, and lifetime achievements uh, for alumni. Uh, those are the four categories we use if you want to nominate somebody in those areas. Now, having said that, it, athletics lends itself to this kind of nomination process. 
if you take music, it's, it's, it's a large band area, unless somebody really stands out, let's say, in, in their instrumental, instrumental uh, abilities, it's, it's sometimes more difficult to uh, single them out. But having said that, that's why we need everybody's um, kind of attention to the nomination process so we don't lose those venues. We definitely want to search them out and get the people that have uh, done well in each of those categories and get them in here. Well, it takes a lot more research and time and effort too for, for the people not in uh, uh, athletics. I mean, athletics, you know, you can kind of look back on the stats, uh, the individual stats or the, the stats of the team, but you know, it's a lot harder. And even if you say, well, okay, you know, the, the marching band won this competition that year. Well, I mean, there's going to be, you know, hundred plus kids in the marching band. So you, how, how do you, uh, you know, isolate and, and narrow down and it really takes a lot of work and effort, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it does. And, and to your point, you're right. Uh, athletics lends itself to records, uh, historical documentations, and it's easy for people to look those up. Uh, let's say easier to look those up and, and find people to nominate in that venue. And to that, I think that's why a lot of people uh, only have maybe some type of athletic hall of fame. But having said that, in the four years that we've been doing this, uh, we've had some great uh uh, inductees in all four candidates in all four uh, venues. Have you found that the public has been pretty good as far as nominations or uh, are you lacking a little bit in terms of, of some of the input there? No, I, I really think for, because it's, it's still slightly, it's been uh, since 2017 was our first class, a little bit in its infancy. I think the public's been generally uh, excited about the hall of fame, at least from what we've seen in the past, but I think there are a little bits, and this, I, I break in here to say, I'm glad we're having this uh, podcast because uh, I'll push the process for how you make a nomination. Because a lot of people will say, wow, this person got inducted, that's good, but why wouldn't this be person uh, inducted maybe ahead or, or at least be on the nominating thing? And I say, they haven't been nominated. It's quite that simple. You haven't nominated them. Please do so. So within this uh, period of time, Fred, sometime, uh, maybe you'll give me a chance to walk them through the process of getting a nomination form online. How do you go about finding the, the right balance or, or is there such a thing as a right balance between, you know, athletics and fine arts and contributors and so on and so forth? Well, um, as you know, as being on the, uh, the, the voting uh, Hall of Fame voting uh, committee, what you really try to do is, is take a look at just quite simply the number of people you have in each category. Uh, it, it does weigh itself heavier in, in our nomination list uh, on the athletic side. But if you see somebody that is, stands out in the band area or service area or lifetime achievement area, you just say, hey, we'll be here. Let's get one person maybe in athletics Let's get one in each of the other categories. Now, having said that, if there's no one that, that really stands out in one of the other categories, you obviously will put maybe more into one of the other ones, which will probably be athletics. We definitely don't want people thinking, oh, this is an athletic hall of fame. They're just uh, you know, uh, saying that, but they're not following through with it. I got to reiterate, you know somebody you think's qualified, if our committee thinks they're qualified, they're going to be put in the Hall of Fame in, in many of these categories. 
And of course, along those lines too, is, is people are nominated, the more information, the better. I mean, you can't just say, oh, Joe Smith belongs to Spain. You got to give some reasons why Joe Smith would be a good candidate. Well, Fred, you're exactly right. And uh, let, let me just show you, Here, here's one of the things you, if you look up our uh, nomination thing, it says, um, name things that, that they did. Give us, give us information that why do you feel they're deserving of the honor? Talk about um, major accomplishments, post high school accolades, high school accolades, all of these things, the more you can find uh, really helps us to understand why these people are qualified to be in the Muhammad Seymour Hall of Fame. You know, just looking uh, back from the athletic standpoint, uh, if you look back, the number of state champions Muhammad has had, you know, primarily in wrestling, but certainly in, in other sports too, as far as uh, the track and field programs. I mean, there's a long list of candidates right there. Uh, you know, if you don't look at anything else other than state champions. And, and so, I mean, that, that's, uh, uh, you know, it's going, there's going to be a lot of long time before you really get to the end of, of the qualified candidates, I guess. Well, I'm very happy you brought that up. Uh, first off, it was one of the reasons why a lot of people, uh, I know I talked to a few people and, and just the state wrestling uh, champions, we were thinking, how are we going to do this? I mean, how do we lend ourselves in, in, let's say there's a sport in Muhammad where they've never had a state champion and the best that they've ever been able to do is have an individual move on to a regional title. Do, do we put in all Muhammad state championship uh, wrestlers, individuals first? Like, I think there's some like 16 before we can even consider one of the others. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. But at the same time, just because you're a regional uh, uh, champion in a sport doesn't necessarily mean that that we think as a, as a committee, it's um, it, it puts you in the standard where you need to be in an all-time Hall of Fame. So we try to spread that out. Now, to, uh, to answer your question also, you're right. There are a tremendous amount of uh, state uh, history, high-level champions at Muhammad, and that story needs to be told. The uh, students, uh, citizens of Muhammad, Seymour, need to be able to look at something and say, these are the high-quality people that uh, we value, and that's why we're putting their faces up there as inductees into our Hall of Fame. You know, I have to say another thing that I like, too, is after the charter class, uh, pretty much limited to, to four inductees per year, you know, even though, I mean, you know, like I said earlier, you know, Champagne started in the 60s or banned in the 60s as well. So there wasn't the mentality of, oh, we need to get caught up and, you know, have classes of 10 or 12 every year. Um, and I like the way we're doing it. Talk a little bit about the mindset that went into that, because obviously there's, there's you know, way more than four qualified candidates that can go in, in in any given year. Right. Well, I think in the beginning we had eight and then the next year we had six with the idea that in three years we'd have four. Now, uh, to that, we could we could go with six or seven or eight, but you definitely don't want to get it to the point where you say, hey, we have to have this number every year and get it watered down. We wanted to make sure that every year we had quality people that were, were being placed in there and didn't want to get to a point like I was talking to one Hall of Fame group. They, they don't have anybody anymore. They went through their first groupings and uh, sometimes they have a year where they don't even nominate anybody until maybe somebody comes across. So we, we thought four would be a happy medium and, and we've wrestled with it. And, um, you know, like our government, we can put 
amendments to this, but as of right now, we're, we're kind of sticking with four. We think that's a good number. And it's a good number to put out there to um, not go so long during the ceremony that uh, we have to hurry it for everybody. We can give each individual their due. Now, having said that, the first one with eight, we knew that we wanted to spread that out a little bit more to get uh, everybody represented in each of the four categories. And uh, looking back at it, it worked pretty well. We had more time. We were very quick at the uh, venue at halftime of football. Um, actually, I think it was before the game. And it worked out real well. But I like what we're doing now. It's it's manageable to the point where everybody, at least in how we do this logistically, gets, I hope, a, a, a good feeling about being inducted into the Muhammad Seymour Hall of Fame. So I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the upcoming Hall of Fame class. It was actually... <laughs> that in, in the fall of 2019, and the idea was they were going to be enshrined in, in the fall of 2020 at a, at a home football game. And then of course, COVID came along. And so now it's been rescheduled for, for this fall. So it's going to be the, the longest wait ever. I mean, those people from the time they were selected and, and notified they're going into the Hall of Fame, I think it's going to be like 23 months before it actually happens. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, I was sitting there just finishing up driver's ed. And it was in March of 2019. And I remember uh, uh, Mr. Schwarzentraub was there and he told me, hey, I, I think they're going to shut the school down. And it, it could be as long as two weeks. And I thought, oh, two weeks? Are you kidding me? Well, we all know now it turned out to be a lot longer. And then it struck me, what are we going to do about the Hall of Fame? And a lot went through our minds. And I talked to our, we talked, got together as a committee. And we had a plan A and a plan B. Plan A, hopefully, was that we would do it this year. That didn't happen. So instead of what some school did, they just uh, handed out a plaque to somebody without really having uh, a, a body of people there at, like you would at a football game to watch it and just put them in their archives. I didn't want that. I, I felt our nominees deserved better than that, our, our inductees, I mean. So we decided that we'd just wait and we'll have this covid gap, you might call it, COVID-19 year, which also lends itself to a bit of our history also. So anyway, yeah, and, and, and so we decided let's go with uh, 2021, and we won't be able to induct them in 2020, but they will be inducted as the 2020 class. The 2021 class, however, will be void, and it'll be the COVID year. So I think uh, that'll work. We, we could have gone with two sets of classes, but even now, we're not certain of what the future is gonna be. So with plan as we have it now, really plan B, this is the way it's gonna look. We're gonna give the four their due. We'll have them in the homecoming parade. Things will move on hopefully as close to how it used to be as possible. And then we'll get the next four and move on forward from there. Well, you mentioned something I wanted to follow up on because I know some schools are combining Hall of Fame classes and they're putting two in together to, you know, to kind of make up for the, uh, for the COVID year in there. Uh, but it seems to me like then the, the first group is a little bit, you know, almost minimized because they don't get that recognition that they would have gotten individually as, as a group. They're sharing it with another group. So Absolutely. And, that and that's something we didn't want to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if we're patient, they'll all get in there. I mean, you know, you, 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 when you start combining them, 
And if you're having a limited amount of time, first off, logistically, we did find the first year it was it was uh, we were having to fly around very quickly with eight with the venue we use for inducting our Hall of Fame uh, inductees at the uh, Hall of Fame game. So we thought, hey, let's keep this to where we can do a classy job, not sprint through something and make it not so valuable to those people that um, that are getting inducted. We didn't want to, like you just said, we didn't want to minimize their experience. And we also didn't want to minimize the experience of the next class. So let's said, hey, let's make sure we can, we can keep it uh, quality instead of quantity, you might say, and, and go through it that way. So everybody does their Hall of Fame the way they like it, the way they want to do it. Uh, and this is Muhammad's. And not that it won't change in the future. We're discussing... Uh, Hall of Fame teams and things like that, uh, how we can maybe change it, but we don't want to change it in, in a, uh, a nuclear blast kind of thing. We want to change it subtly, slowly, and make it quality. Well, and I wanted to mention too, or ask too, how, how did you originally, how did the group originally settle on deciding to do it, doing it at a football game uh, as opposed to maybe a basketball game in the winter or opposed to just having a banquet maybe on, on a Saturday night? you know, somewhere where there, there is no other activity, kind of yeah. that process. Yeah, all those things were discussed. Um, and a lot of it came down to, okay, what can we handle? What are the logistics? A basketball game, uh, a lot of times it, it doesn't give, first off, the same seating venue. And uh, it's in the, it's in a, it can be seasonal. When would be the best game for doing that? And you have even more limited time where you can bring the people in and uh, give them their due, you might say. Right now, we, they didn't have the homecoming parade at the basketball game, which we think is a real nice touch if they can be in town to do that. And people can come to a homecoming game that is also a Hall of Fame venue and, and make it a, a very nice, pleasant time to come back to Muhammad, um, get in touch with people that they may have knew, maybe family, and we don't have that in basketball. Now, basketball was discussed because of one thing. It's got a roof over your head, and you don't have to worry about rain. But having said that, if we had to, we could always bring the Hall of Fame into the, to the uh, gym or maybe the field house and do it if it did rain. But um, I've been to Hall of Fame uh, inductions where it's been a little sprinkly, and uh, we just take our chances. So uh, that, that's the partially the thinking for what you're talking about there. Now, on the other side, the banquet thing. That's, that's, that's a little bit more work. We had talked about it. We didn't know if we'd have the great big crowd, where we would do it, what we would do it. And usually what happens in a banquet for a Hall of Fame is that you pull people um, to the game or the, and then afterwards, the next day, you have the banquet. What we have found is our Hall of Fame inductees at Muhammad, believe it or not, a lot of them don't live in Muhammad. We've had them come as far as Amsterdam, uh, out of state. And a lot of them are making a sacrifice just to get here. So if when you you keep them for too long, it be, actually becomes somewhat of a burden. Um, so we decided, hey, let's let's keep it this way for a while. Like I said, other uh, tweaks might be in the future, but for right now, it seems to roll with the people we're we're inducting pretty well. Well, and another benefit too of doing it during football season is you don't have to worry about snow and ice storms that you know. Maybe of the people that were coming in the day before might not even be able to make it too so absolutely fred I, and that's part of our discussion yeah 
So talk a little bit about the, the virtual aspect of the Hall of Fame. There's, uh, I know there's something at the high school where people can go through and uh, look at the, the previous inductees and get their bio and talk a little bit about that aspect. Okay, well, it was a, um, as, as people, most people, when they think of a Hall of Fame, they think of walking into a school, a corridor, and uh, going somewhere and seeing uh, pictures of your inductees, and then they have a little written bio underneath it. Uh, however, about the time when we were starting to think about the Hall of Fame, um, it was brought to our attention by Rick Johnston that some schools had gone to the virtual type of Hall of Fame board that's right there for people to look at. And, and there was really quite a bit of a uh, discussion about whether or not that's how we wanted this to be. And it was also during the time when the high school was starting to make its renovations. So we thought, hey, let's put it in when your people walk right in there uh, and have the, the virtual uh, instrumentation there for them to touch to take a look at it if they want to. And with this particular venue, we can also put historical uh, events, a lot of history, add more history that a person might have. Like, I hope you don't mind, let's say if, we, if you found out something more about your father and we could add it to his bio, we can do that very simply virtually now and, and keep the continued growth of, let's say, a distinguished alumni updated. And we can put pictures in on this thing and hopefully when people go to it, it'll, it, it'll be something exciting. And you can watch this from Australia. You don't have to come to Muhammad to see it. And, and see our wall, it's for all alumni to come back and look, quite frankly, anybody that wants to see the story of Muhammad and its Hall of Fame can just log on and there it is. So talk about where somebody can access that if they don't live here. Like if you're living down in Florida and you wanna see uh, information on the, on the previous Hall of Fame uh, uh, inductees, how can they find that? Okay, well, I've never, I've never done it personally myself, but I do know you go to the www.ms k12.il.us and there you go into the community uh, segment and then you have to navigate through that to the Muhammad Seymour Educational Foundation uh, button and from that it says what do we do then the Muhammad Schools Hall of Fame you go in there and it takes you into the nomination process and I believe that also takes you into how to navigate into that particular portal um, Derek Halfar is our tech rep, and quite frankly, he would be probably the best at, at, at talking about how to get in that, because I think it's a Weebly program also. Um, maybe I'll look that up a little bit more and get back to you, Fred, and I don't know how the, this venue works, but maybe you could throw it out there to your listening fans a little later on how to exactly get into that. Okay, and it's probably important to note, too, that, that people are considered seven years after they graduate. You know, somebody might say, well, gosh, this person was great a couple of years ago. Why aren't they in the Hall of Fame? Well, there, there's a, a waiting period before they can even be considered. Right. And I think most most Hall of Fames and most people, uh, they have a little bit of waiting period because take Danny Bunch. The year that she got out of high school, if you didn't have that, you'd say, oh, my gosh, she's a, a two-time, three-time state champion. She's a state uh, record holder, and let's put her in the Hall of Fame. Well, Danny Bunch is career then blossoms so much more that you, you would have to come back and say, guess what? This person was Purdue's, actually the Big Ten's athlete of the year, female athlete of the year. There's so much more that people do within seven years afterwards that, and you could, it's a number. 
it's really an arbitrary number, but we thought we'd take seven years of waiting time to see what you do. There's a lot of our nominees that, that even haven't been put in that are still doing things and their dossier or biography, you might call it, is growing. So that's why I think there's that seven year period of time that we wait before we'll nominate you and put you on there. But to your point, there are a lot of people that have those questions and all they have to do is ask, uh, be civil and, and we'll give them a civil answer back. And uh, most of the time they go, okay, I understand now and that makes good sense. Well, you know, another thing we were talking earlier about what makes Muhammad's Hall of Fame unique, and I should have brought this up at the time, but you don't necessarily have to be a graduate of Muhammad. I know some places won't put coaches in if they didn't graduate from that school. They might be a coach that won state championships and, and did, you know, had, you know, lengthy tenure, won 500 games in basketball or whatever, but if they didn't graduate, they don't go in. So uh, that's another aspect about Muhammad is if you contributed, then you can also be considered for Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, um, We've got a lot of people that are coaches and stuff like that. I'll use some examples here. Uh, the service venue, Dr. Edward Grog did so much for the students of Muhammad Seymour in the sports medicine venue. Uh, his soul, his, his, his vision was, was so incredible that to not have him in our Hall of Fame um, didn't seem quite right. And if you didn't have that, then you wouldn't have that venue also out there for people that do things. I know St. Joe has a service one and they have a, a, a gentleman that was a janitor there that just did it above and beyond everyone else. And he's a Hall of Fame inductee. I some schools just have that. That's their rule. They, they put it in there. I just think ours becomes a little more broad brush. I think that there are, there are incredible coaches, teachers, people that have given service that maybe not alumni of the school, but definitely infused an incredible influence on our schools by being there. And this gives us the opportunity to honor those people and have young people, old people, whoever, look and see who those people are. Absolutely. All right, we've been talking with Jim Risley today, the uh, chairman of the Muhammad Seymour Education Foundation Hall of Fame. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, Jim, before I let you go? Well, I would just like to add, if you have somebody you think deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, please go to our uh, website, nominate those people, give us a little time. Everybody loves their certain individuals and know that uh, even though they're, they're probably high quality, if they don't make it, it doesn't mean some year down the road they can make it. Uh, I always sign off with saying I love Muhammad, love the people in Muhammad, and uh, look forward to serving the Hall of Fame for at least a few more years so far. And thank Fred Croner for putting this together for me. You bet, not a problem. Thanks, Jim, enjoy talking to you as always. You too, Fred, you take care and have a good day.